Camille, would you read them to us one at a time? The heart leads you to the neighborhood of the people of heart. The body leads you to the prison of water and earth. Nourish your heart with the appropriate food. Find spiritual maturity in conversation with the mature. Let's read the second one. They're related. To us, a different language has been given and a place besides heaven and hell. Those whose hearts are free have a different soul, a pure jewel excavated from a different mind. I almost don't want to try to explain these or interpret them. Um, yet each one of these could be a theme for an hour talk. Because behind all of this is a systematic knowledge, a practice, a understanding of the human being and what's essential in the human being. Heart leads you to the neighborhood of the people of heart. Today, inshallah, it's 1288 Cherokee Road. Inshallah. <laughs> Wherever the people of heart are, I would go there. I would travel 15,000 miles and have for that. We used to have to go pretty far. Nourish your heart with the appropriate food. It's a beautiful saying in Sufism. The body is fed through the mouth. The soul is fed through the ear. See no more. And to us a different language has been given. And a place besides heaven and hell. We're not begging for rewards from God. We're not running from God's punishment. The hearts that are free. Are longing for that pure jewel. Longing to know that pure jewel. Which is the divine presence itself. read the next one. Abundance is seeking the beggars and the poor, just as beauty seeks a mirror. 
Beggars, then, are the mirrors of God's bounty. And they that are with God are united with absolute abundance. Well, I think we understand that we are the beggars. We are the poor. And God alone is the rich, the wealthy, because God alone is the source of all those qualities that a human being longs for. But it's interesting, I think one of uh, Nevlana's most powerful <coughs> insights is that he reverses causality meaning we always think we are the agent, we think we are the cause, we are the seekers. Especially in America, Americans are really, you know, very self-preoccupied people. We're a do-it-yourself culture. Do-it-yourself. He's teaching us, no, the real power, the real agency is from Allah. Abundance is a name for Allah. Abundance is one of God's names. Bounty, abundance, generosity. Generosity, which is abundance, its source of everything we need and long for, is in fact seeking us in order to show its generosity, in order to, uh, in order that we might, well, we are the mirrors, if our hearts are the mirrors, that beauty wants to be reflected in our hearts and from our hearts. It's a subtle yet very simple idea. It's only difficult to understand when you're locked into the ego's perspective. But one of the things that will happen on this path is that Everything will shift how we see. Instead of seeing, we will be seen. We will know we are being seen. We will feel as if we are in that divine presence. We will feel that, that what is most true in ourselves is something that is reflected to us from that source. These ideas seem a bit difficult to comprehend. Be patient. Every page of, of Rumi is telling us one thing, and it's this, that our whole purpose for existence, for being here, is to recognize that generosity, to recognize that beauty, to be thankful for it in every moment, to be thankful for everything. They that are with God are united with absolute abundance. Every one of us here is worthy of that. Every one of us is meant to know that. That which God said to the rose and caused it to laugh in full-blown beauty 
he said to my heart and made it a hundred times more beautiful. It's so painful to meet people who have been brought up in the religion of fear and for whom their relationship to God is primarily one of fear, of dread, of shame. There's a place for fear, yes. Fearing to make a mistake, fearing to fall. Madhulana is making it really clear that what the divine is, is this transform transformative power that makes a rose bloom, that can transform a human heart from being something that is numbed and shut down and negative into something that's fragrant and beautiful. And the action is from God. It's meant to come into our hearts, and its purpose is beauty. Let's go on to the next one. <coughs> it was Mary's painful need that made the infant Jesus begin to speak from the cradle. Whatever grew has grown for the sake of those in need, so that a seeker might find the thing he sought. If God Most High has created the heavens, he has created them for the purpose of satisfying needs. Wherever a pain is, that's where the cure goes. Wherever poverty is, that's where provision goes. Wherever a difficult question is, that's where the answer goes. Wherever a ship is, water goes to it. Don't seek the water. Increase your thirst, so water may gush forth from above and below, until the tender-throated babe is born. How should the milk for it flow from the mother's breast? So Mary, mother of Jesus, had the infant in the cradle, and according to our tradition, Jesus spoke in infancy. Spoke to his mother to reassure her and to speak about his mission. So we've always been taught that part of this practice of Sufism is recognizing our need being honest about our need. This was one of the first lessons that 
Shams of Dupree's taught Rumi. It's in the Makalot that Camille translated. He says it like this. There is a palace of the ancient one, the Qadim. This ancient one that has no needs at all. Totally needless. Divine, that ancient one is totally needless. And people say, I'll chop off my head. Somebody actually said this to me recently. Some very poor brother was suffering. He says, I want to offer my head to God. I thought, haven't you read the Makalot? Sham says, that doesn't make any sense. That's like bringing a little cumin seed to Kirman, where all the cumin seeds come from. Allah is the creator of all your heads. He doesn't need you to cut off your head and throw it at him. Bring something there that's not there. Bring what? Bring your real need so that that ancient one can have the pleasure of satisfying your sincere need. This is one of the first lessons that Shams taught Mevlana. Bring your need to God. Recognize your need. Don't think you're totally autonomous and independent and needless. Don't kid yourself. Don't fool yourself. Humble yourself. Divine mercy is like water. It flows to the low. And here he uses Mary, mother of Jesus, as a beautiful example. She was the utter model of receptivity. Not until the baby is born does the breast milk flow. And now we can move on to something maybe a little more technical, a little more in the field of consciousness, but very important. The whole of your six senses can be compared to a horse. The light of God is the rider. Without the rider, the horse is useless. The light of God rides the body's eye. The soul yearns for God. God's light enhances the senses. This is the meaning of light upon light. Quoting from the Quran, Allah is light upon light. And in this short selection is a whole teaching that we will spend the rest of our lives understanding and practicing. We have these senses. We have to bring something else to this, our equipment, to our human entity. We need to bring that awareness that comes from the light of God so that we can understand ourselves better, we can understand our motivations, we can direct our senses, we can learn to pay attention to what is worthy of our attention, learn to give our attention to what is worthy of our attention, become the master of all of our faculties, rather than to be enslaved like a dog that just follows its nose. 
or in an animal that turns, keeps turning in a thousand directions. We want to release from the heart and let the heart direct our consciousness, our actions, our words, even where our eye falls. And now, a very, very hopeful encouragement. Mm. <coughs> no mirror ever became iron again. No bread ever became wheat. No ripened grape ever became sour fruit. Mature yourself and be secure from a change for the worse. Become light. So Mevlon is talking about a process. And that process is <coughs> chosen by relatively few people, perhaps. Who am I to say? Maybe everybody is maturing. I don't know. But I know that <coughs> the spiritual path is a conscious choice. It's for those who commit themselves to transformation. For those who are willing to work on our humanness and to join with others who have that yearning to get out of the prison of ego and begin the process of becoming people who are capable of love, capable of awareness, capable, capable of, of being free from those many things that enslave us. And this is a work. This is a process, a process that's sustained by divine help. It's not all, it, the results are not from our own <coughs> efforts, and yet the results are never without our own efforts. And how beautifully he says it, how, you know, this is the gift of a great poet. No bread ever became wheat. No iron. No mirror ever became iron again. In those days, mirrors were made out of polished iron. <coughs> no ripened grape ever became sour fruit. And he says, the brotherhood, sisterhood is like a, uh, what do you call it, a bunch of grapes. A bunch of grapes, mm -hmm. when pressed, all become one juice. And that juice becomes the wine of love. <coughs> And finally, this very tender <coughs> little bit that maybe we should all hear. Water says to the dirty, come here. The dirty one says, I'm so ashamed. Water says, how will your shame be washed away without me? Amazing. Let's see. To touch hard in this way with such simple words, such simple language, because you're dirty, but you don't want to take a shower. It's too much. You don't feel worthy of it. Or you, whatever your reasons are. 
something's not quite right, but you don't know what to do. <coughs> you don't know. And then the water tells you, come. So this was a modest attempt to share some some of the essences of Rumi and what he's about. Maybe we can take it all and make some wine out of it, press it all together in our hearts. And I encourage you to do the same with whatever source of knowledge is beloved to you, whether it's Rumi or some revelation or the words of some mystic learn how to assimilate knowledge learn how to make it your own sometimes this means memorizing sometimes this means internalizing and giving it back doing something with it we've had years of translation (coughs) years of living with this material And um, later I might even share you a poem that I wrote based on one line, which was, Love is a fire and ego is its fuel. Love is a fire and ego is its fuel. I thought, well, sure, I get that. Then I had to really reflect, well, really? Kabir, do you really understand that? What do you still have to throw into the fire?